Hey guys, you're listening to Totally Stoked Podcast with Amelia Travis, yoga teacher and wild child turned multi-six-figure business coach, writer, speaker, and spiritual warrior. Totally Stoked is an experiment in radical honesty. On this show, there's only two rules, show up and tell the truth. Each week, we share uncensored, truth-telling, shame-busting conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and modern-day mystics revealing their rise to thrive stories, current challenges, and sharing their most powerful tools for awakening, growth, and well-being. This is your place to let down your guard, open your heart, and remember that being human is a crazy, wild ride, but you don't have to do it alone. So buckle up, baby, because we're heading full speed ahead to radical self-love and a totally stoked life. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. I'm so excited to share our guest today. She's one of the women who has inspired me and motivated me the most um, in the last year of my entrepreneurial journey. She's an absolute powerhouse and her power comes from her spirit, from her spiritual alignment, and from her heart of service. Um, this woman, many of you know her, some of you may not, and you're welcome for introducing you to her. Uh, she's an entrepreneur who has built a million dollar business in uh, coaching um, and, and really it's through not just strategy, but through spirituality. She has this incredible blend um, of giving all of the tools that she's learned in personal development, manifestation, mindset, and business strategy to the women in her community. And there's probably close to 100,000 now across all her different mm-hmm. channels. I can't keep you in suspense any longer. Who is she? (laughs) We're here today with Lauren Liz Love, the founder of Badass Business Babe. Lauren, welcome to the show. I just have to tell you, it's like a fucking party when you show up to narrate. Like I'm over here. I'm like, wow, this is so exciting. (laughs) Who is this? Like you just keep the hype. So I'm, I really appreciate that. And I'm going to have you MC every event I ever do. (laughs) Girl, the hype, the hype is real. Like And, you know, one of the things that I I have to say is that when I committed to showing up in uh, BBB Nation, which is is Lauren's Facebook group for badass business babes for female entrepreneurs, I first noticed, holy shit, this girl goes live a lot. It was like every day at that time. I don't know if it's there now, but every day. Um, And I was like, man, she is so consistently here and present and excited with the people watching. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like, that is the energy of being in community rather than it just being like, Hey, I'm here and I'm telling you or teaching you or whatever. It was like every day you were genuinely showing up and growing and learning with your community as you share what's going on in your life, like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you start doing that? <laughs> Seriously, because one of the biggest questions that you probably get too from, from people is like, how do you show up and be vulnerable and visible online? But for you, it seems like it's just easy and magical. I know it it had to have been a journey to get there. Yeah, it, it definitely took me a long time to get there. And I think too, there's this really unhealthy tornado effect of like, uh, fear of vulnerability And what happens is we start to think about like all the things that we could talk about. And then it's like, well, is my hair okay? 
Um, do I have food in my teeth? Uh, is my ex-boyfriend jumping on this Facebook live? Oh my God. What if my grandma sees this? I just curse. Like, what if I'm not captivating? Oh my God. That third person just jumped off and stopped watching. Like, <laughs> so like your mind is just in this like shit show tornado space for majority of the time. And I found that in the art of practicing live narrative, whether it was through audio or through video, it was a meditative practice. It was the ability to control my mind and just be really super fucking present. And I think, you know, I see a lot of women, even women I'm friends with who like will talk to me in mid sentence, they'll stop because they're thinking about that text message they just got or like that other thing that they want to talk about or, you know, whether that guy on the street corner is looking weird and like women get, we get distracted sometimes because we are conditioned to be a little bit more of a multitasker because we bear babies. And so we need to like do more than one thing at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can really cause a monkey brain. It's like, you're thinking of a million different things and that affects your message. So that was like a, a big practice for me learning how to just channel and be direct. But I think the deeper level of that was like overcoming the insecurity and the fear related to vulnerability. Um, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory because I think this is important for people. I found a book when I was 16 years old called A Million Little Pieces. And I thought oh, it was- James Frey. Yes, you read yep. it, right? Oh, girl, okay. please. Any any memoir or later, they were like, it's not a memoir. I Whatever. Know. If there's drugs, sex, and I don't I'm even reading care about it. role in it. I just want the drugs and sex. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that book. Yeah. Did you did you read um, Augustine Burroughs? Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. Running With Scissors, Running with scissors. Dry. Yeah. yeah all I that. have- and All then, myself. Like, um, oh gosh, there was a, a whole series about a girl who was like, I think she was a meth addict. There was a book called Smack. Read that one. There was yes. one called I read them all, girl. What about Tweak. Did you read Tweak? Tweak. That was the yes. one. Yes. Yep. Tweak was so good. And then the dad ended up writing a memoir about what it was like to read. Anyway, yeah. For those I'm- of you who love <laughs> other people's fucked up stories, no. Welcome. Go hit up Amazon Prime. You just have all your reading material for the rest of the year. And you're going to read it and you're going to be like, whoa, my life isn't so fucked up anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's real power in the me too, the ability to read something and go, whoa, me too. I felt that way before. And, you know, I spent a great deal of my life, like not being accepted for the, the deep, the deepest parts of myself by my family and by my peers and, you know, growing up, it's just kind of a natural thing. But when I found that book, I was like, holy shit, this guy's making a living sharing his fucked up life. I want to do that too. Like that was like, (laughs) that was my goal at 16. Like I want to write a book about my fucked up life and I want to just make money. Um, And then my life got really fucked up. And then it was like, (laughs) can I share all of these things? Uh, And then I did. I I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to start a blog. And I just one bad tragic story after the next. I was challenging myself to share as often as I possibly could. And that kind of morphed into helping and teaching and inspiring. And that morphed into what I have today. So I did it. That's the long, long story short. How did I overcome it? I just fucking did it. Right. Like I just did it. Yeah. So I think, so to back the, I think that's so interesting because there's so many people, especially the women that I know who love these memoirs or nonfiction stories of it's not even always like my life was super fucked up and now it's not, right? One of my writing teachers told me that a truly great narrative, a really great story, you know that the story is done when the problem has been fully revealed, right? Mm. And I was like, that's cool. I can get down with that because I was thinking about my own story and I'm like, I don't know where it ends. Yeah. 
And, and he's like, well, it ends when the problem is fully revealed. So just like you would have, you know, a niche or a focal area in business, this story needs to have a focal area, a narrative arc. Is it about the drug addiction? Is it about the sexual violence? Is it about your family struggle? Maybe all of those are in it, but like, which problem are you going to fully reveal? Mm-hmm. And so, um, when you share how you started to go into this practice of, of vulnerability as almost like a meditative practice of, of self-exposure as part of your healing process, um, some people don't know your background. So you said just really briefly, in 2015, you left a corporate job. You were in national television news production, right? Yep. And 2015, how old were you when that happened, when you made that shift? I was 26. 28, 20, yeah, 26. So just prior to your Saturn's return, you were like 26 years old. You, you, between six, if said 16, you were like, my life's fucked up and I got to write a book. And it wasn't until 26 that you <laughs> up. So what were some of the formative things that happened in those years? Some of the shame stories that you needed to unpack when you decided to go your own way? Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I look back and the universe is like, Oh, you want that thing? Here you go. And it like gave me all of this, like just real tragedy, I think in my gave life. Gave you and material. I, yeah. It gave me the Great material. material. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you want this here? Let's like make this a bestseller. Let's not make it a small book. Let's make it like juicy. So, um, between 16 and 26, I went down this rabbit hole of like trying to become a woman, right? I think everybody does. We're, you know, evolving as human beings. And that's a really important time in a woman's life. I, you know, really spent a lot of my childhood prior to that, not feeling loved by my parents. And I think, again, this is something a lot of people feel. So I found my love in relationships with men that maybe weren't so um, good for me. Yeah. Probably the best word to say. When I was 13, I was actually babysitting my two sisters and I was sexually assaulted. I had six different teenage boys break into my house when I was watching them. And um, I had never told my parents. It was like this whole big cover-up thing. So I already had like some shame that I had suppressed. It was kind of like that thing never happened. Moved on with my life. 16 was awesome. Went to college. My freshman year of college, I I met a man, uh, also a freshman on campus, who was a really bad guy. And I was raped. And I remember after that experience, um, not really understanding because I, I went to Catholic school. So like nobody was like, okay, this is sex and this is rape. And this is the difference. Like I did not mm-hmm. no no education there. So I kind of was confused and I couldn't understand why I was having nightmares. I all of a sudden had agoraphobia. I wouldn't leave my, my dorm room. I was starting to miss my classes. And there was one night where it was so bad. I was like, you know what? You can't tell anybody about this because it's so shameful. It's time to go. And so I overdosed. And I remember waking up in a hospital with my rapist next to me with like this big teddy bear. Yeah. Cause he knew what was going my on. My face and, right now, you guys, yeah. if you're listening to the audio, my chin yeah. just hit the floor. I'm like, what the fuck? What? Well, like, Why? Okay. So this, the whole story, like I, and I'm sharing this from a space of like, so, so healing, like, and I still have shit I need to look at, but like, I have healed so much around this that it's okay for me to talk about. And, you know, for any woman out there talking about things is the first step. Like it's so your voice, your throat chakra, like that's so fucking important to your healing process. And so I overdosed and I went to bed. I took all this medication. I went to bed. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to wake up. I woke up and I was seeing like triple, Mm -hmm. like I was seeing like three different people in my roommate who didn't really know what was going on. 
she called that guy and she was like, mm-hmm. you need to come here. There's something wrong. Cause she didn't know. She, like, mm-hmm. she had no, she had no idea what happened. And so he took me to the hospital and I was like catatonic, like just a you know, zombie mm-hmm. screaming at me, saying all these hurtful things. I woke up, I think it was like 10 hours later. I was on an IV and um, he was there. So anyway, I uh, couldn't really escape that. So I entered a psychiatric facility. I went uh, during, I guess it was like spring break. I was in a psych ward with a bunch of older people. I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, I'm going to heal this. And I never told anybody what was really happening. And doctors were like, oh, here's a girl who's happy. She used to be uh, she used to be happy. Now she's really depressed. Let's just give her some pills. And mm-hmm. so that kind of started my like trajectory of life where it was like, take a medication to solve your emotional problem. Mm-hmm. And then I met an older man. I got married. He was a drug addict and I didn't know and started my life over. And so at 26, at that point, I, I was letting go of all of those things. They were all behind me. I was starting my life over. I was living in Manhattan and working as a TV producer and then I quit. <laughs> and then everything changed. And then everything changed. It was, it was a fucking roller coaster. But I mean, I felt like after I started to heal my life, like those whispers came up, right? It was like, wow, you're losing all this weight and you're glowing and you're happy. And people are asking how that's happening. Why? Like teach, show. And like, that was like the calling that just wouldn't go away. Uh, whether it was about that or leaving my divorce or the trauma I had been through, the more I talked about those things with people, the more I heard, You're, you should write a book. You should start a blog. You should do a YouTube channel. And I, I hit this point where I was like, why the fuck not? Right? Like I always wanted to do this. Let's do it. And um, I did it. So when you chose to leave your job at 26 and start your life over, was there a, like a straw that broke the camel's back? Was there a singular incident where you're like, this is it, I am out, I've, I've had enough of this? Yeah, so I like to tell women that like once you get the download for, to do something scary, it will not go away until you listen to it. And it'll, the universe will send you a little feather as like a little sign. And then you go, oh, that's cute. See, that's a sign I'm supposed to quit my job, but you don't quit your job. And then the universe is like, here, let me send her a Mack truck. And then you don't listen to that. And it's like, let me just drop a fucking ton of bricks on you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for me, I got the download and my corporate job was pretty great at the time. I was really crushing it. I was working with Charlie Rose and Gail King. I was like in the midst of this really big career that I could see myself having, got the idea. And then like instantly my boss switched. So I got a new boss and the boss was terrible. She was like this evil woman who just was so abusive verbally and like didn't do her job. So she like has scape her her employees were her scapegoats. So when her boss was yelling at her, she was yelling at us and it was just terrible. And that was really, I, I had a performance review by her and a lot of it was not true, mm. but it was to cover her, her butt when she hadn't been showing up how she wanted to. So, um, yeah, I was just like, all right, this is it. I'm done. And that was when I told my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to quit my job. I think I want to do this. He's like, yeah, do it. And so that was where I was like, oh, okay. So the corporate job got worse and worse. And I, my desire got bigger and bigger. And one day I was just like, if not now, when? And I just jumped. 
So at that time, your husband, who was then your boyfriend, was, mm-hmm. uh, he works now, he's full team, mm-hmm. badass business babe all the time, right? You guys yeah. work together? He doesn't have another yeah. jobby job. No, he quit okay. his jobby job in October of last year. So it'll be two years or a year. I think it'll be a year in October. Wow. Um, you guys have really been on this journey together from yeah. the very beginning. From the beginning. And, you know, in the beginning, we talked a lot about this too. Uh, and we teach our students this. If you have a partnership and you're like dating somebody or you're married to somebody or whatever, if you're coming home every day complaining to that person about your job, they're a business partner, whether or not you like it, right? Like they're, if they're your emotional support, they're your business partner. And like understanding that dynamic before, you know, he started showing up in the business and quitting his job, like that was so important because it allowed me to know that I wasn't in this by myself, that I had a team player, I had somebody by my side. And, you know, I think that's really important for women to recognize that their men can emotionally support them, not just physically, you know? Well, it is super important because the flip side of that is also true. Like if all you're ever sharing with your partner is the frustration and the fear, especially if you're in this entrepreneurial journey, guess what? And, and, you know, forgive the little bit of like gender bias here, but your man wants to protect you. He wants to help you. He wants to fix the situation. Mm -hmm. So if all you're ever bringing to the table is like when things are hard or they suck, yeah, he's not going to be super duper stoked on your business. You know what I mean? But then this is the fucked up part. Like how many women look at that and they go, oh, my husband's not supportive. Exactly. But so like, like you have to share, yeah. share the wins, share all of it and make sure that like, and I'm, I'm literally coaching myself right now, you guys, cause for four years I kept my husband out of my business. I mean, he would, I would let him help with the things I wanted to help with. He's a photographer. He's a videographer. He's amazing at that stuff. But every time, even though he's incredible with money and he does all of our personal finances, every time he was like, can I help with the books? Which, by the way, y'all, were not my strong suit for oh, that's quite why a while. You want him to help. Right? I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, don't want you to see it. Don't want you to see how much debt I have in the business. Don't want you to see how I'm mismanaging the money. Don't want you to see how many pairs of Lululemons I bought. Like, don't want you to see it. You know what I mean? So it's been like such a journey of getting to where, and I'm, I've been so inspired by you and your husband because I'm like, okay, that is partnership. That and and it's like, yeah, we have a full on partnership in every other aspect of our lives, parenting, the home life, you know, and, and full openness and support. So I think it's really important to, to bring that in too. I I do have to ask, um, you got a divorce and then you fell in love again. Mm. And you know, what's really fucked up. They're both named Matt. Yeah. That is a bit confusing, isn't it? Right. So (laughs) Matt, Matt 1.0, Matt 2.0 and like, Matt 2.0 is so amazing. <laughs> what was your um, heart healing process of like being ready for love again? Or do you feel like it was just totally divine intervention? Oh my God. I Okay. So I, my grandfather died and that was in that moment. I, rem- I vividly remember this. I was, this was with my first husband and our, re- our marriage was ending, but we like didn't really say that yet. You know, it was like in that weird phase where like, you know, it's over, but it's not yet officially over. And I remember being at the funeral and like sobbing and my mom's like, are you, are you okay? Like, I know you're sad, but like, are you okay? Cause I was like, Oh, like all over my life. I realized I was like, I'm done with this man. Like I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, I ended that and it was really amicable because he hadn't, he recognized, you know, the part that he had played in it and he chose drugs over me and it was just something that we had to do. 
And then I said, I'm never going to fucking date anybody again. <laughs> like, I was like, this is not happening. So when I was in corporate, I was living a single life and I did a lot of personal development work. Like, I, I didn't go out and get relationship books because I wasn't there yet. I wanted to understand why I attracted this. Mm-hmm. Like, what was going on with me that I saw this man and was like, oh, he's safe when he clearly wasn't, right? And so I did crazy amounts of personal development. And I remember I worked an overnight shift, uh, an overnight shift at the time. So I would wake up at eight at night and I would spend from eight at night till midnight when I had to go to my job studying. And I would read like Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, um, Marianne Williamson, Return to Love, Debbie Ford, Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Like I, I fucking ripped open and I studied as much as I could. And in that process, I wanted to start a blog, right? So the first thing I started a blog about was like, maybe I'll date in the city and I'll write about how fucking dumb men are. Oh, like your own sex in the city. Right. Like my own sex in the city. So I got a match.com account. I like signed up. I was all ready. I started like- I love how you're like, it wasn't actually to date. You're just like, no, this is just fodder from my blog. Don't worry about it. Exactly. (laughs) And then I met Matt. And so it was just, it was perfect. Lauren, that is so interesting. Three days before I met my husband on 9909 at nine o'clock at night, I said a prayer, a a meditation, whatever, where I was like, I am done. I am done dating. I want to be single for like the next five years. I just want like, because similar, you know, similar things. I was like, I clearly have four taste. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm not good at this. So like, I'm going to stop doing it because I suck (laughs) at it. Um, and then, and then he just landed in my life, my little earth angel husband. And, uh, and it's incredible the universe. Like there's a bigger plan beyond what we can comprehend in every fucking area of life. Absolutely. So, all right, man. Okay. So so, (laughs) we're like (laughs) mapping everything out. Um, so we talked about a couple of the, the shame stories, you know, the, from your, from your rape experience and also the sexual assault as a young, a child, I mean, 13, like barely the verge of adolescence. Um, you know that you've done a lot of personal development, personal development work, but in healing specifically the wound of sexual violence, um, or even in, in defining like what that means to you. Cause I know what it means to me and it has something to do with the energy of the feminine and the energy of the masculine and like the ways in which we allow ourselves to be oppressed, to be made small, to be trapped, to remain in bondage, to defer our own needs, to defer our own wants. The actual penetration or the actual physical assault, the theft of our life force, that's, that is an external representation and obviously trigger and exacerbator of something that's happening in the collective, right? On the grand scale, there's this um, energy exchange between the masculine and the feminine and like the wound of sexual violence. I don't mean just in you, but in all women throughout history, all the time being oppressed. Yes. What are some of the things that you have done and continue to do to embrace healing around that? Because it's, it's huge. And it's most of the women that I know somewhere in their story have this wound. Yeah. I, I think honestly, in, in many ways, every woman has this wound. Thank you. Yeah. It's sometimes, you know, people get testy if you say every woman, but I'm like, well, if you chose to be born female in this incarnation, like 
you're participating in the collective wound. So it's there. No, for sure. And I think too, there are so many times where we as women are taught to neglect or have allow someone to take advantage of our life force, right? Like that, I think that is a a thing that every single woman has experienced in some way, shape or form, whether it was like your dad telling you not to be too loud when you were growing up or Mm -hmm. your mom telling you, don't pull your dress up to look at your belly button, right? You're like, Mm -hmm. what's wrong? I want to see my Mm -hmm. belly button, right? Like (laughs) we just, I mean, like we really, we are taught that like our bodies and our sexual energy and our feminine are things that should be quiet Mm -hmm. and they should be small and they should be unseen and they're only reserved for the bedroom when nobody else is looking. And I'm, I'm not here for that. Like, I think honestly, when I think back to how, how in the world was I able to receive multiple scenarios of neglect and abuse in my life? And I could look at that like many women do and say, oh, like I'm just born to be a victim, right? Like I can't tell you how much I played that story in my life. Like poor me, poor me. No, I think I I was meant to receive it so that I could speak about it in a way that was different. Mm -hmm. And I think on a deeper level, I think I was meant to receive it because up until probably the age of 26, I had never made a single decision for myself. I had done what my mom told me to do. I had done what my father told me to do. I had done what I thought would get me the most love from the people around me. But when I got divorced and then I quit my job when I was 26, yeah, the divorce was 21 or 22, but like that was the catalyst for me because for the first time in my life, I was living in my feminine and I wasn't going, oh, strategically, what is the right decision to make here? I was like, what the fuck do I feel, right? Mm -hmm. And that was shut off. Like I'm getting goosebumps as I talk about this. That was shut off for me for so long because somebody told me that that should not be there. And in my life, it was multiple people. My my parents, I grew up in a household with um, two very loving parents, but two incredibly insecure human beings. Mm-hmm. I love them dearly, but you cannot raise confident women when you are not confident yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's important, I think, for every parent to do the inner work. And my my parents didn't. My dad, my dad was a closet homosexual his entire life. Mm-hmm. Married my mom because he wanted to make his parents happy. My mom had her father die in her house when she was 16 years old. So she was fearful of everything. Like the fucking mailman would make her nervous. So I I have to remember that's where I came from, right? And that doesn't have to be the belief that I carry. That doesn't have to be the version of me that I become. I think a lot of us carry our parents' beliefs and we're like, oh, that's what I need to have. But we can choose again every time. So one of the things that you just said that I think was really – important is for the first time accessing and listening to an inner knowing and the way you described it was as a feeling so i want to differentiate here between feeling and emotion because feeling and emotion are two different things feeling is right now if you take your hands and you rub them on your thighs you have a sensory experience that is feeling Feeling is feeling like you got kicked in the gut. Feeling is butterflies in your stomach. Feeling is warmth in your heart space. Feeling is tightness in your throat. Emotion is what's correlated with those things that happens in the mind, right? So Mm -hmm. emotion is once a thought is attached to a feeling, then we have anger, or then we have jealousy, then we have sadness, whatever it is. So when you say you're trusting in this inner knowing and it was a feeling, 
um, you're talking about experiencing some form of embodiment for the first time, yes. and especially in someone who is, you know, repeatedly sexually assaulted and also raised without body confidence, embodiment is a tricky thing to get to. Do you feel like that came through personal development work? Did you have dance or yoga or was there breathing or anything? Or was it just kind of like after you decided to follow that knowing it, it started to, to turn on? Like, what was yeah. that about? So that's a, that's a really beautiful question. And I've never, I've, I've never expressed this. So I feel quite special that I'm having this conversation with you. I think for me, there was a required abandonment of the, tr the present that needed to happen. Um, I almost said the word truth and abandonment of the truth, but basically, you know, you live your life thinking things have to be a certain way. And when I look back to like, what was that switch? Like what allowed me to, you know, step into inner knowing and trust that and receive it. I think it was the abandonment of what I thought to be true. And I first made this decision that said, all right, everything that I have thought was what I was supposed to do has not served me and I'm done. Mm -hmm. Like I had to, I had to burn that boat. I had to burn that bridge. I had to say that, that way is not serving me. And it wasn't until I, I emotionally and, and internally thought about those things and, and made that spiritual internal decision. That was when the next step showed up for me. That was when the door opened and it was uh, very much divine. It was, it was very much um, a voice outside of me. It was like a, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm. Right. And then that, this is what you're supposed to do gave me a feeling that I have never felt before. And in other times when I've thought about maybe doing things like quitting my job or getting divorced, I immediately went into emotion based on the mind. Right. Mm -hmm. I was no way my mom spent all this money on the wedding. No way my family's going to be so upset. No way I have to explain myself to other people. No way I'm going to be judged. Like, I don't go there anymore. That's not my home. Not me. So um, that was not personal development. No, that was just a decision and a leap. Mm -hmm. That As you were describing the realization that you needed to burn the bridge to the old way of being. And it just happened again, as I said the words out loud, my entire body lit up with chills like three times head to toe. And it's like that, you guys, that every, and it's gonna be different for everyone, but you have this too, right? Mine is the goosebumps, mine is the full body chills. And it's my, it's my like spirit antenna, right? Like when I'm like, something is like super true or really, um, it's like God is speaking, whatever word you use for God, God, universe, source, spirit, I don't care what you want to call it. Yeah. That's the, the bat signal, right? And you have this too. So it's like tapping into your hotline, to your bat signal, whatever you want to call it, to your inner knowing is so important. But like, I love Lauren that you said it starts with a decision. And guys, it's not a big decision because there is no such thing as a big decision. It's a, it's a conscious decision. It's just like you can make it right now. Yeah. And this is, it's so, I, I had a breakthrough that I do want to share with you, but it's so mind blowing to me that mo mostly women have this problem. Women go, oh, how, how do I do this? Right? Well, that's a masculine question. First of all, like there's no manual for transforming your life. I wish there was, but it's in your moment of decision-making that your destiny is shaped is often that quote that I go back to, Right. And a decision 
is, is a moment. It's an instant. It's a, it's a brief second in time, but it's in that moment where everything changes. And that's, that's up to you. Like nobody else can do that for you. Um, the other thing too, that's really important to mention, I was on a health journey at that time. And I firmly believe that that had a really big connection to being able to receive the download. I was, I was 200 pounds and then I went down to probably 130 and I was running my first half marathon and I was doing a lot of body movement. And I think it was shaking up that energy within me, you know, like, and yeah, and eating well. And, and that allowed my channel. And even now in this chapter of my life, I'm really focused on my wellness because I know the more that that is managed and improved and cared for, the more money and prosperity and abundance flows to us. So yeah, it was, that was a big part. Yeah. I think that's, that's so important. And, you know, people talk about your body as a temple and that can be something that you just roll your eyes and you're like, whatever, it's a cliche, but <laughs> and especially if you're not in that process of really showing yourself a lot of, um, of love and care through the way that you nourish yourself. But if you buy into the idea at all that we are energetic beings, and if you've ever experienced you know, emotion or any inkling of spirituality, like, you know, that there's energy, even if you've ever had the heebie-jeebies and then you turn around and there's someone creepy standing behind you, like you're an energetic creature. You can feel things, right? It's mm -hmm. part of the experience. Um, every food has, food has an energy, right? Like think about literally the energy of McDonald's versus the energy of going out into a garden and like picking fresh fruits and vegetables and lettuce, like literally the energy from the sun into the food and then into your body is just a different process. So that's not to villainize or to shame or to make you feel like shit for choosing certain things, but it is to say like how freaking awesome that we have the ability to just change. That is one way where you can change something that's external, that's fully in your control and actually have incredible internal benefits that like reverberate out into every area of your life. And I see it happening in you. And if you guys are following Lauren at the Lauren Liz love or at baddest business babe, follow her stories, follow her journey. And like, you will see that this woman walks the walk. Like she really, really you do. And look, I'm not seeing you in your moments where you're like in your bed and your underwear eating potato chips. I mean, I would love to <laughs> just get, actually, I feel like you show that stuff too. A couple months ago, she got bit by a spider on her butt oh, and it was like a whole saga, which I was super tuned into, by the way. I was like, oh, what's happening with Lauren's butt oh, and her God, spider was, bite? That was a <laughs> so gnarly. It was, it was so really hard. terrible. Um, <laughs> but what you just said, you know, I think you touched on something um, about the inner knowing that I think we is worth reiterating, especially for the women that are listening, for the men too, for everybody. Listen, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. I can't tell you the number of people, and I know this happens to you too, women who say, I have this idea, or I feel called to this, or I want to build this. Am I, I crazy? crazy? I know it's yeah. crazy. My, I know I'm crazy, but, and I'm like, yeah. you're not crazy. That's, that's number one. And then number two is like, you're not doing it wrong, right? Yeah. Like when, it, especially when it comes to spirituality, and when it comes to trusting this inner knowing, like you said, women want to know the how, right? And we always think that we're doing it wrong. And that's because we're socially and culturally conditioned to believe that others know better, that somebody else is the expert, 
that we don't know, right? How many times as a child did you see something that maybe wasn't right or wasn't okay and you address it and they say, oh, you don't, you don't know, like, or you didn't, that's not what you saw or it's not what you thought it was. And it's like, oh, okay, well then my brain is a liar, right? My sensory perceptions are liars. And, and the biggest liar of all, my body, right? Because mm. my body's telling me that I have this sexual desire or my body's telling me maybe that person's not safe, but I got to override that because what could this thing know, right? And as we and grow- polite, right? Yes. Ugh, barf. As we grow, we realize that like the more you can listen to this beautiful vessel that you have, like this temple of your body, like it's always teaching and talking to us. And and I just love, I love witnessing this part of your journey unfold. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Lauren. So I have to ask you, you've shared in the past about your struggle with ladies. I know no one would believe it because we're just over here gabbing like a couple of hens, but like you've shared that you've really struggled with developing female friendships. And oh my God, a story so for why? Okay. Why is it hard? Tell me everything. So hard. Um, yeah, it just fucking sucks. Like, I mean, it doesn't now, right? Like, I'm, I've gotten much better, but I can, I can remember I had a lot of, you know, we talk about like limiting beliefs. My limiting belief was like, women are not safe to trust. You can't trust other women. And that prevented me from being myself. It prevented me from developing deeper connections. It prevented me from being playful. Uh, I always kind of had this wall up. And there's like a lot there. Like I had a friend in high school that bullied me. I had a bunch of girls in middle school tell me they didn't want to be my friend anymore. So like, there's like all these stories and experiences, but they've definitely affected how I show up here, especially in entrepreneur space. There's a, a real easy way to feel like you're doing this alone. Like it's so, especially the first couple of steps of entrepreneurship, you feel like nobody in your personal life understands what you're doing. You feel like everybody thinks what you're doing makes no sense. You're crazy, right? And so um, sisterhood's really important in the beginning. And I didn't have that. Uh, I recently set an intention. I think this was like last year. I decided I wanted to receive high vibe friendships. And I got really clear about who these women were. Because rather than saying I want to receive women who enjoy my company, I was like, I want to receive women who love receiving the truth, who are open and transparent with one another, who share their ups and their downs instead of pretending that everything's great, who support each other, uh, and who, who aren't afraid to see the other be more successful than them. You know, mm -hmm. that was mm -hmm. real important to me. So I got clear on those qualities. And over the last year, I've been able to receive some really deep friendships. I just got back from LA um, and I spent some time with two of my friends. And it was so funny because I heard those stories come up again, mm -hmm. you know, like we went for this bike ride on like the Venice strip. Right. And I'm, uh, I'm in Venice beach. I'm like, where I am riding this little bike. I'm like, this is so great. Like I had the best time. Wait, they're all the way ahead of me. Are they talking about me? Aww. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like enjoy this moment. So, um, that was really hard. And what I, what I came to recognize was that when you're trying to lead, being able to be seen by peers at your level of business allows you to lead better. Because if you're leading a group of people and we lead like every step, a couple of people underneath us, right? Mm -hmm. So as you continue to grow and you're helping these people underneath you, your growth is going to be connected to the people that you hang out with, the people that you spend time with, the people who you invest and anchor into. And if you're anchoring into people who 
don't really see the real you, how would you feel comfortable letting the rest of the world see the real you? So I think it's just important to note, like that's been a really important pattern for me to break the feeling of being alone and not being seen by women. And I, I think it was one of the hardest ones I did. And that's why our brand now is so focused on community because it has been such a big, important part of my healing practice. Yeah. And I think that, you know, those who are familiar with the brand are just, I'm continually surprised by it because I'm like, man, today you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of women who are truly like just in love with you, like crush on you so hard. And they do have the, I mean, obviously I don't think we're ever able to show people our full selves because we each have as rich and complex of a private life and an inward life as, as every other person on this planet. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think you share a lot of it and you let people see a lot of it. And I personally believe that it's only when we do that, that it's only when we show up in a hundred percent of who we are and really get soul naked and let ourselves be seen that we can actually receive love, real love. Because if we're just showing people the good shit, you know, then we're never um, feeling that sense of belonging and acceptance and knowing that we're okay in all of our humanness, like all of our fucking broken, messy, all of our million little pieces. Thanks, James. All of our, yeah, all of our million little pieces. And like, look, you don't need to show everybody a million, right? Like that's not necessary, but I think it's just important to remember that how you see yourself dictates how other people see you. And when you're fearful about not being liked or not being able to receive a client or not being able to be taken seriously by the people who are on your social media feeds, if that's what you're worried about, that's what you will receive. Mm -hmm. And it's not until you take a moment and say, I'm done with this story. I'm going to become the woman that I really, really want to be so that there's no excuse. I mean, that's, that's when everything changes. That's so perfect because that's, that's the next question that I wanted to ask you about, um, especially in entrepreneurship, but not even just in entrepreneurship. In, in many different ways in life, we um, aspire to what the highest version of ourselves through imitation, right? Mm -hmm. So we, at least in kind of the earlier stages, we look at other people and we say, she's doing that really well. She's doing that really well. This morning, you guys, I was on Instagram stories. There's a female entrepreneur who I super admire. She's young. She's rich as fuck. She, I mean, from what she shows on social media, I don't really know, but she's like showing her event space that she's going to book. And I'm just like, damn it. I want to do an event. You know what I mean? And I'm like, look at that space. That space is so beautiful. I want my space to be just like that space. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are we going down this rabbit hole? Like I am not planning an event right now. Why am I letting myself be triggered and jealous of this girl? Like good for her. That's going to be beautiful event. What beautiful inspiration for me yeah. that I can then look at that and model. But there is, I think this super important, um, I don't, I don't want to call it a milestone, but this juncture that we need to get to, which is moving from imitation to actual cultivation of our own authentic voice, our own gifts. And, you know, obviously everything is a spectrum. I feel like you were kind of early to the game when it comes to this, but it, not relative to maybe Marie Forleo or to Amy Porterfield or I don't, I don't know, but I feel like you were earlier. Um, do you feel like you've always done it your own way? Cause it started with that decision to leave your job. Or do you feel like you went through that period of like trying to do it like others? Oh, I tried to do it like others. You know, the, the way you put it is so beautiful. There's imitation 
And then there's cultivation, right? Imitation, cultivation, and then there's operation. And then there's oh. existence, right? So, you know, for me, I think in the beginning I imitated because I was in a totally new field. And so I found people I really admired. Like I followed, um, also side note, like before we go down this, I just, I've been imitating my entire life. Like when I was bullied in middle school, I watched Legally Blonde every day for the summer before I went back to school. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to shave my, that opening scene where she's getting ready. Do you remember that scene where she's like, she's getting ready? And it everything. wasn't one of my obsessions. I probably uh, saw it twice. I'll have okay. to watch it again. <laughs> so in the opening scene, she's like getting ready and you don't see her face, but you see that she's like this beautiful Hmm. successful blonde woman and she's shaving her leg with this like very specific razor and skin to mint shave gel and then she's putting on her tiffany bracelet and then she's painting her french nails so like that summer i like made sure i could do all of those things and like when i got ready for school i did like the same fucking routine because i'm like this will make me beautiful so yeah there's there's imitation and then there's this you know cultivation right and you're like trying to apply stuff and i think in the beginning, I looked at people who I admired and it wasn't Marie Forleo. It wasn't Amy Porterfield. I didn't know who any of those people were. I was looking up to uh, two specific people, actually three, um, Lauren Everts of the Skinny Confidential, mm-hmm. right? And then there were these girls called, um, it was a beautiful mess blog with Elsie Larson and it was like DIY home decor yeah, stuff. Design. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and photography. So I looked at those and I... I was an avid reader of them. And then I was like, wait, why do I like this? Like, which, which are the posts am I like most excited to read? And there are always these super vulnerable ones. And so, I don't know. I think I, I made a lot of mistakes in the imitation process because I didn't know, I didn't know how to trust my gut. I just knew how to imitate. And then when I started to imitate, there were certain things I was doing that didn't feel aligned, that felt heavy, that weren't working. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, why am I not getting these results? I started to recognize that the strategy of entrepreneurship is about failing upwards. And it's about figuring out what works and what doesn't in your own unique personal brand, your personal business space. And yeah, trying a couple of different things from other people, but being able to trust your intuition above all is so important. That's so good. And it's so, I, I need to hear it, you know, because I'm like transitioning from the yoga industry into the, into the coaching industry. And even though I had a lot of kind of out of the gate success, cause I had a platform, I'm feel like I'm still on wobbly legs sometimes when it comes to like, okay, well, the right way is supposed to be this. Like we're supposed to do this funnel and we got to do this and that and ha- and doing these things. And then it's exactly what you said of just feeling like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like this does not feel right. It's not what's ever worked for me in terms of converting a client. I put that in quotes, you guys, because really it's not what's ever worked for me in terms of creating a bond with someone where they're then like, I freaking love you and I want to work with you. I want to get, I trust you and I want to give you my money to come on a retreat or training or do whatever it is. Right. And yet I keep in so many of my, my clients and, and also people I see in the digital space, we keep kind of like monkey see monkey do. And okay, well this blog said to do that. And so I think that this, go ahead. 
I know I was just going to ask you, what's the story that you're telling yourself? Like any time, can you think of an example recently where you tried to do something that just totally flopped and didn't oh, work? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. no, I mean, I wouldn't say totally flopped, but I would say like, like wasn't it as a, as a business experiment, right? Like I've never done a, a launch in the way that, um, that is like kind of structured and like formulaic and you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do this and you schedule like schedule your emails and schedule your content and do all this stuff. And I'm not criticizing that. But what I've always done is very much like fly by the seat of my pants. Show, and I'm not advocating this, you guys. It's just the truth. Like show up, tell the truth, tell people about this thing, share from the heart why I'm so excited about it. And it's worked really, really well. Recently, like for the first time, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it the right way, which means pre-scheduling all of this content and these emails and stuff. And it's like, the right way. Yeah. The right way. This whole story about the right way. Right. The, uh, and, and like, who says, right. Like, um, so it's just interesting because I think I'm asking that question for myself of feeling like I'm currently drawn to really go deep into spiritual counseling. And like the most magical moments for me are when I get those chills all over my whole body, when I'm speaking or coaching or facilitating a retreat. And when um, the curtain is entirely pulled back and we're just there as two humans, like having this experience together and where I allow, you know, what I call God, or you can say universe or spirit to flow in between myself and the other person and acknowledge that energy. And it gets so good. And I'm like, I care about that more than I care about money. I, Amelia, I feel like you're meant for that work. Like I, I really do feel like you were not put on this planet to, to create systems and automation and opt-ins, right? Which like it's great. Cause I'm not that good at it. <laughs> good. I can do it, but I got to work really hard. At it. <laughs> like I don't really want to work that hard. You guys, I want it all to be flow. Oh man. Or, I, I, could, I could talk to you for a hundred million years. Oh my God. I love it. You could, you think what? No, I just think that you know what's the right thing for you. I mean, like, it's great. I, I think it's really powerful to experiment in your business. You know, one thing we do every single launch, we do an experimentation. So we take what worked last round and we try one thing new and we see how it goes. And I think that that creates some fun variety that creates the opportunity for expansion. Um, we've never gone and like done it the right way, quote unquote. Good you know? for you. Like that's <laughs> never happened. You. But, you know, f- for you, I think just always remembering like, you were fucking put here to have connection with people. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what you're meant for. So don't, don't judge yourself when those systems mm-hmm. don't align or feel connected to you. And you'll be just as successful as anybody with any opt-in if you follow your heart. I think for everyone listening, the takeaway in that is like, give yourself continual permission to pivot. Like you can just change it. You can just be like, yep, didn't like that. going to do it differently now. <laughs> and consistency yeah. is super important. Like once you start to hit a stride of something that's like, that is in alignment, like stay consistent, stay consistent in serving, stay consistent in showing up, stay consistent, but like also allow yourself to grow and evolve. And I'm, I'm currently in that. I mean, this past year I've had some powerful experiences with the divine feminine, with healing through plant medicine. And I know you have too, and like yeah. have had this incredible download of, and I'm going to say it out loud on this podcast, I'm a priestess. And I've been a priestess in many lifetimes and there's a call on my life to do it again here. And it feels scary because I don't know how there it is the, I don't know how, right. (laughs) But I do, I do. And like, when I allow it to flow, it's there. And, and so 
this isn't just me, you guys. I'm not special. And Lauren, bless your sweetheart, is not special. Like we are, we are absolutely fucking incredible, radiant, multidimensional beings. And at the same time, just like you. Mm -hmm. So, so I got to know, like, if you, if you had to give, if we were in an elevator, like Tony Robbins and Jack Black and (laughs) Shallow Al, and you had to give me one piece of advice, what would it be? Trust yourself. She knew. It was quick. (laughs) Oh no, for real. Because the way that you talked when you started claiming your priestess energy and just saying that that's you, like, your your tonality, your energy, your your vibration, your color all changed. Hmm. That that's you, honey. Like that's you have a really big fucking gift and you're gonna you're already doing it. But I mean it's it's your humanness and your fear based primal brain that's like, is this right? Am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's and I th- you're doing yeah. right. You're always following your heart. You're always right. I think too it's like as a high achiever, you know, I come from a family. My dad was an attorney. My mom was a, a research psychologist. My sister's a senior level admin at NASA. Like wow. my family is like, we're smart people. We do, we do big things. Right. So I always had a little bit of like going the spiritual path and the yoga and surfing and kind of like, you know, writing and art. It was like, well, this isn't substantial. Right. Um, but one thing that I've been learning more and more lately, like I said earlier, we're not doing it wrong um, is just, we learn this in yoga philosophy and, and in everything, Willie, the, the willingness to kneel at the doorway of the mystery and to be an initiate, oh right? God. To be a novice, to be, mm. to be there surrendering yourself saying, you know what, maybe I don't know how, and I'm putting that in quotes, but I'm here and I'm fully willing to learn whatever I need to learn to serve the call that's on my life. And if we can stay in that, you guys, there's, then this planet has a chance. Like where humanity has a chance because we need all of us. We need all of us to step into that. And, and really like it's cliche for a reason, but like, you know, we cannot have collective healing without individual healing. So you got to look at your shit friends and like step into that. Um, all right, Miss uh, Lauren, I had one more question for you before we go. I freaking uh, adore you, by the way. I'm like, I just adore you. It's really, really mutual. <laughs> You're like this. Caressing you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to okay, do that so, to people from now on. I'm just going to be like, I like you with like ET yeah. hands. <laughs> um, so you said at the beginning of this show, you, you talked about using your voice for healing right? And I um, have recently been immersing myself in yet another yoga training, a kundalini training, but this is one of the guiding principles of kundalini is that uh, the nod, the sound current, especially that of your own voice, is the most healing power in the universe for you, right? There's nothing more healing for you than the sound of your own voice, Um, whether that's through singing or through speaking the truth or whatever. So, you know, for earlier, you said just fucking do it, but for those, for all of those, and, and in you, your program edge of evolution was actually speaking directly. It was speaking directly to that problem. Yeah. Yeah. 
And is that yeah. something people can access again in the future? Because I know you guys did mm-hmm. it live. It was a one and done. All right. So yeah, we did a little one and done, but it's actually, you can get on the wait list on badassbusinessbabe.com if you want to see it. We just don't have any um, current launch dates for 2020. Okay. So what Edge of Evolution was, you guys, was cultivating your ability to be visible, visible and vulnerable online. And it was all about this truth-telling and shame-busting um, you know, rewriting these old stories that are keeping you in bondage. And so I think for the, for all of the, from right at first vulnerable, like, do you have any place that they can start? So we all have, and my my advice here is going to be based on what your highest version of you is being called to. So for some of us, highest version of us, when we think about how we would show up, the first thing that comes to mind is writing. You know, it'd be like, I would write a fucking book, right? Or I would write that Instagram post. For some of us, our voice doesn't show up in the physical. It shows up um, with the auditory, right? It shows up in that sound or that vibration. So for some of us, it's not, I want to write a book. For some of us, our higher self is like, I want to fucking be on stage speaking, or I want to do a podcast, or I want to do a video, right? So identifying, you know, flash forward 10 years from now, what are you doing? Are you writing a book? Are you speaking? Are you doing both? Okay, if you're doing both, which one excites you more? Find the one right now that like really lights you up and reverse engineer it back. So when I had a hard time writing content that I had a hard time writing, there were certain things about my life I wanted to share. I would open up my Instagram app and I would just stay frozen and I would stare at it for like 20 minutes and maybe write one or two things and then I would shut down. Change your platform. So open up a Word document, get out your journal, right? Mm speak it if it's giving you a hard time to write first, you know, play with your, your platforms and your different modalities of storytelling to get more comfortable and do it in a private space. You know, one thing I did, I would press record on my computer to record an audio and I I wouldn't have any intention of sharing it. I was just like, I'm going to try to do this. And I would just talk and whatever came out, came out. I still have them from like 2012, but like, you know, just trying that, that exp- get, get used to expressing, fuck the visibility, fuck people seeing you, just get used to expressing it. And then once that becomes a little bit more, more natural for you, the next step is to try to express it in the scary space. So with your mom or with your friend or with your husband, um, and making sure that it's an intimate space because that will make it safe. So I would, write up a blog post and I'd say, Hey, I'm going to write this, share this blog post. I wanted to share it with you first. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, doing that from a space of not looking for feedback, just looking for love and support and make that clear to whoever you're sharing it with. And then I started to cultivate the message that's public. And I think it's, you know, important once you start to talk about something, it becomes easier to talk about it publicly. Like you have to practice talking about things. And that's a big Like when people hear my story, sometimes they're like, wow, she tells that story so well. Girl, go back and listen to the very first podcast episode I recorded where I am talking so long that they actually interrupted me to play a commercial. Like I, it was rough, right? Like we all, we all start somewhere. So, you know, just giving yourself the grace of like 
practicing the message, cultivating the message. And this is something, this is work I'm still doing today. And I'm sure you are too, right? Mm-hmm. Takes time. Yeah. But, you know, oh. remembering you're safe and supported. I love you so much. I love you too. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts and your message here. And I just, I hope that all of you feel as blessed and encouraged and uplifted as I do. Um, if you want to connect with Lauren further, like, duh, you totally want to connect with her further because you love her. Um, where is the best place for them to find you? Uh, so I would say Badass Business Instagram. It's Badass Business Babe. It's the handle, Badass Business Babe. And then also the Badass Business Podcast. Perfect. And um, you can find her personal IG from Badass Business Babe too, if you want to yes. go even deeper. <laughs> Lauren universe. Um, and I have to say, you know, this woman gives more value than anybody else I know in the digital space. So show up for her shit because she will show up for you and her tools and programs will change your life and your business because they will change you. So Thank go you. let yourself be changed by her. Love you guys. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast. If you love this episode, if it impacted you in some way, please grab a screenshot and share it right now to Instagram stories. Tag Stoked Yogi, hashtag Totally Stoked Podcast. Each week, we'll grab one listener who shared and send you some Stoked Yogi swag. Also, if you love the show, please subscribe, share it with a friend, or head over to iTunes right now and leave us an honest review. Your support and feedback make this show possible. If you have ideas about how we can improve, please send them to podcast at stokedyogi.com. Until next time, you guys, keep showing up, loving people, telling the truth, and remember, keep living your life totally stoked.